I guess the Lord works in really mysterious ways. Uh, a pickup that's leaking oil. And uh, when I first got it, it used. I had to add oil. Uh, in the time I would have had an oil change, I had to add oil. And uh, I called Will Lewis. And I don't call Will Lewis ever. Unless I got a car problem. And then I called Will Lewis. And so I called Will Lewis. And I told him what's going on. And he said bring it by. And I brought it over there. And he, I thought he was going to. We need to take out the transmission. And we need to uh, put a new rear seal or something. He said I, I don't think that's it. He said you need this little $3 uh, vent cap. For your oil vent hose up in the motor. And I said, well, I, I can do that. That's cheap. I did that. It quit leaking oil. It don't leak oil. Uh, so, yeah, my family and I were around a couple and most of the day. And then yesterday evening, the phone rings and they said, this couple you were around was exposed to corona. I said, okay. So... I start calling people, and I, I call people I trust, call people, and I say, what should I do? And a person says, I don't think you need to worry about it. I call another person, and they say, quarantine two weeks. I call another person, they said, go get tested. I called another person, they said, don't tell nobody. <laughs> I said, well, I don't know what to do, so... I, I called the elders and I said, tell me what to do. I'll do it. And they said, come to church and social distance. I said, that's what I'll do. That's what we're doing. It's a difficult thing to not have an and not be a wrong answer. I don't know that I got bad advice from any of these people that we talked to. Uh, I think when I talk to Will Lewis, I'm getting good advice. Uh, I think that's true every time. I think Garland has a problem with this PowerPoint. It's asking a question on my screen. I think you can just click it and it'll start going maybe. Maybe some other problem. Uh, the, the bottom, I care about people. I don't want to get anybody sick. certainly don't want my family to be sick. And so we look at these kind of things and we think about it. And it's just God works in mysterious ways because I've been thinking about this, this sermon all week. Uh, people say you wear a face mask. You need to wear a face mask. Other people say I won't wear a face mask. Which is right. I've, I've tried to find out. I've, I've done research and, and read. And there's cloth masks. And there's N95 masks. And there's... Uh, I'll, I'll guarantee you. We could probably raise hands and all get into groups. And, and would probably be pretty equal. About whether it's right or wrong. Should we be having church or should we not? I know congregations not having church, haven't had church for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I guarantee you, there's people here who would say, you ought to be having church. And then there's people in other places that would say, you're crazy. You shouldn't be going to church. And all these things, I don't know that there's a right or wrong. I don't know the answer. I wish I could talk to Lewis and I wish he'd tell me. This is the mask you need. Or don't wear a mask. I don't know. God works in mysterious ways. 
This morning on Fox News, a French bus driver was beat to death. They drove out of the bus and they beat him to death because he asked four people to wear a mask. Well, that's easy. That's real easy. I can answer that. That's in France. <laughs> that's in France. That wouldn't happen here. I mean, the only thing that happens here is people root, root and write and, and all those kinds of things. That, that would never happen here. Do you think these things could creep into our church? Do you think they already have? Do you think they affect us? I think they already have. So that's the reason for the study today and the thoughts of the morning. Uh, you know, David, King David, for years, was in conflict with his own brethren. His own brethren were his enemies, and all Israel suffered. If, if we take a lesson from history, when David and Saul were at war with one another and fought with one another, do you know who suffered? Israel. And if we take a lesson from that, if we go to war here with one another over face mask or social distancing or communion or baptism or chairs or temperature in the room, who's going to suffer? Everybody. told me a story. I suppose it's true. He told me a lot of stories. He said there was a church, never said where. And he said, old days they had no air conditioning and they had windows down the each side of the building. And he said the first person that got to church would open the windows and the air would come in and cool the building. The second couple that arrived would shut the windows, of course, at the back and the front. And the air would come through the building. And he said once they sat down the first person doors and opened the windows. <laughs> and he said they nearly split the church over air. Air. We all want air. We all need air. We all would like the building to be at a, a, a good temperature. How does the best way to get the air in the building? I tell you, we could, we could have a discussion about We could raise hands. We could divide up into sides. And there'd be differing opinions on an ideal temperature and how to do it. And neither way is wrong. David wrote Psalms 133, and I'd like to read this psalm. It's a really beautiful psalm. A song of degrees of David. Behold now how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head it, that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended on the mountains of Zion, for the Lord commanded the blessing, even life evermore. Beautiful, beautiful psalm. If you think about it, he teaches a couple of things that are real simple. For brethren to dwell together in unity. 
It's a wonderful blessing. That's the idea. When, when we are together in unity, we are blessed. And because he says that's where the Lord commands blessing. I don't know if you've thought this that many times, but the Lord makes decisions whether or not he's going to bless or not bless. That's his choice. And we receive so many blessings from God in so many ways, I think we probably forget sometimes it's his choice whether or not to bless or not bless. But he can look down at a group of people, I suppose a family, uh, a couple, a family, a, a congregation, a city, a state, a nation. He makes that choice and he makes vision, you see. Not only is unity righteous, but it's also pleasant and it brings happiness to all our lives. He described uh, as oil anointed on a priest, and it ran, it much oil put on a priest's head that creates his hair and his beard, and it runs down to his fingertips and his toes. It's the idea, and it's the illustration that he gives that it is unity is such a blessing that it permeates or covers the whole entire body, and it affects every member of that body. And so when we are unified together, and we put effort to being unified and working together and one another, it is a blessing to every part of the body, to every person. You see, the oldest to the youngest. And unity is right, it is pleasant, and it brings happiness to each of us. To have unity is a blessing that affects every part of our body. So where does you come from? Where does peace come from? It's a very simple answer. Hebrews 13 verse 20, the God of peace. Our Father in heaven is a God of peace. He, he has made more efforts to bring peace than any other being. And I'll give you a very simple case in point. You and I are his enemy. When we're sinners and we commit sin, we are his enemy. And he gave his son to die so that we might have peace with God. And you're not going to top that. He is the ultimate peacemaker. He says, now the God of peace that men from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory uh, forever and ever. Amen. In the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verse unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulder, he shall be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the prince of peace. Galatians 5 verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Ephesians 4 verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, bond of peace. God is a God and Father of peace. His Son Jesus is the Prince of peace. Peace is the fruit of the Spirit, and the unity of the Spirit is kept in the bond of peace. We serve a God of peace. And we ought to be the children of peace. Number two, peace brings happiness according to the Psalm of David. In Matthew 5 verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, you've probably heard that. 
We've heard it all our lives. Blessed are the peacemakers. The word blessed means, it means to be supremely blessed. I, I think at the core, blessed means happy. To be supremely blessed. The word peacemaker means exactly what you think it means. It means peacemaker. Thayer says it's loving peace. I, I learned a lot when I put this sermon together. Uh, if, you, if you look at Spanish, Pacificadores. Is that, is that correct? I think it's close. Have you ever been to the Pacific Ocean? It's a peaceful ocean. Never knew that until I put this, this sermon together. I've been to the Pacific Ocean five or six times. It's the peaceful ocean. Those who pursue peace, those who make peace are supremely blessed. That's where God commands blessing. Those who love and make those who strive for peace are extremely blessed people because Jesus said blessed are the peacemakers. Those who work to prevent contention and strife. Those who work to avoid division or heal division are supremely blessed people. Those who use their influence to reconcile amongst us. Those who use their influence to bring brethren together are supremely blessed people. And so Jesus said, those who make peace will be the children of God. No person is more like God than the person who is a peacemaker. No person. What is the opposite of a peacemaker? What's a war maker? What do war makers do? We go to war. We fight. If we're at war, we fight. If we're at war, we leverage our position. We maneuver. We, we try to get ourselves in a better position. We try to take the high ground. We try to get better weapons. Put ourselves in a position to win. And destroy. <clears throat> in James chapter 3 and verse 30. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Out of a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. We could sit here today and say, I'm not at war with anybody. But the truth is, uh, we could be at war in our hearts if we strive in our hearts. We could never say a word and go to war. We, we could go to war with a brother or sister in Christ by Clovindus. I don't know if you realize those folks were at war. We, if, we, if we are not, my friends, we'll go to war over wearing masks or gloves. We're not careful. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. I don't care if you wear a mask. I, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a wet mask, don't wear a mask. That's how I feel. 
I'm sure there's people here who feel different. There's people here who feel everybody ought to wear a mask. Maybe you're right. There's people here who feel like nobody ought to wear a mask. And we've got to be careful that we don't go to war in our hearts. So I'll tell you what will happen. The devil will do. He'll come to you. He will say to you, Sean don't care about you because he won't wear a mask. And Daphne don't care about you. And that ain't true. That just ain't true. We've got to be careful. War. Divides. You see. War divides brethren. From one another. Congregations from one another. Brethren who at who are at war are not supremely blessed. Division provokes brethren to pursue different goals, different works. Division places in competition with us. And we've got to think about it that way. We can't compete with one another. We will not accomplish anything. You cannot. I'll tell you, if my wife goes in the kitchen to cook supper and I go in there to stop her, there ain't going to be no supper. There's going to be a fight. If Garland decides to car and, and Charlene goes and gets a bucket of mud, there's going to be a fight. There ain't going to be a clean car. And if we decide to... to Go to competing with one another. There won't be a soul here about the gospel. There won't be a person about the death of Jesus. There won't be a soul who comes up to baptized. I've seen it. I've been to congregations who are in that condition. And you do not evangelize when you are at war yourself. Division tells the world that we are different. From all the religious sects in the world. Are we the body of Christ? Yes. I believe we are. And I'll tell you. If we go to war. It will be no different. Unity maintains a state of peace. And unity gives us one object. And one goal. The mission of the church. To reach the lost and keep the saved. That's our goal. And that's our mission. And unity helps us to maintain that wonderful goal. And so I would beg everyone to work constantly for peace. Maintain your relationships in peace. To cultivate your love and appreciation for one another. Let's give grace. Let's give give some grace on these things. Communicate patiently and carefully with one another. Trinity will be a blessing to each of you because we are better together. Uh, That's going crazy now. We're with the clicker. Maybe I better quit clicking. Here it is. Okay. We're better together. We're stronger together. You see, 
Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 to 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. How can one be warm on him? Two shall withstand him. A three-fourth cold is not quickly broken. We are stronger together. I need you in my life. I need people to call and say, what do I do? Help me make a decision. And you need that. We are all better together. Much better. <clears throat> We're wiser. We are safer together. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there's safety. If we listen to one another, or if we one another and we begin to despise one another's opinions, we won't be as safe, we won't be as wise. We help one another together. James 5 verse 16, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another that you may be healed. The actual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We'll help one another when we're together. If we're not together, we don't offer any help. Finally, together we have more love. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 12, the Lord make you to increase and to love one toward another and toward all men even as we do toward you. I don't, I don't know how much everyone knows that, you know, there was a division in the churches of Christ 40, 50 years ago, and it was caused by preachers. And preachers got to not communicating, got to going divided, and struggle against one another. War, just warred against one another, and, and whole, whole brotherhoods divided, you know. And uh, as time went along and, and people would uh, have a little communication sometimes or maybe a skirmish and uh, nothing happened really. And for years and years we were apart. And you know, you get to where you don't know each other. You don't even know people. You don't know what they're about or hear names, you know. I've heard this name. I hear a name, and I I have immediate thoughts. This person, I hear this name, and uh, I met a preacher a few years ago, and I'd heard his name, and uh, it was awkward because I I'd, I'd never been around him, and I've told this man this story to his face, so I'm not telling you something I can't tell, but I. I met him and I shook his hand and I, I'll tell you what my mind was going. My mind was spinning. Because you know what I'd heard? He's the devil. The devil. So we had lunch and we had a meeting and we are talking about this meeting and this meeting, a bunch of different things. And I just said, wait, wait, wait a minute. I said, 20 minutes ago, you was the devil to me. <laughs> You know what he said? He said, I deserve it. He said, I deserve it. And you know what? These, these men I had never known and just only heard about, I formed an opinion about because we're divided. Formed an opinion about that man. And, and that can happen to us easily. 
And I don't know if you're getting the moral of the story, but the moral of the story is we've got to communicate with one another. We've got to talk. It's really to sit around and go, well, they don't care. He don't care. He don't care. Or they, they don't love me. They don't. We've got to be really careful, brethren. And I'm going to tell you why this is important is we're in a time that's strange and we're not around as much as we're used to. We're not with each other as much. We're not having as much fellowship with one another and it's dangerous. It's dangerous. Christians are social creatures. I'm telling you, social distance and Christianity don't belong in the same sentence. And we got to be careful to communicate, you see. Talk to one another. We can assume somebody don't care. It's, it's not true, generally. But we can't be guilty of letting our love for one another fail just because we're not around one another. And I want to encourage all of you to communicate with one another. Call somebody. FaceTime somebody. Talk with people. We are used to being together and we're not been able to do that. Finally, unity brings opportunity. John 17, this is what the Lord said. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. I want you to really listen and focus on what he just said. I don't pray for these people alone, but I also pray for those who will believe in me through their word. And that's how it's gone. It's gone from the apostles and disciples through their words, other people to their words, and other people to their words. For 2,000 years, come down to you and I, the same kind of people, and we use the same kind of words to teach people about Jesus Christ. That's what he's describing here. And this is what he says, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, that I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as I have loved me. As you have loved me. Excuse me. What's he saying? He's saying the world is going to take note of unity. You know, a congregation that, that divided about 20 years ago, those Christians, when they went to grocery store, people that never even went to church anywhere would come up and say, we're to hear about y'all's problems. We're praying for you. Baptists and Catholics and Methodists would come up and say, boy, we're sorry to hear about what's going on. We're praying for you. People take note of unity and people take note of war. Unity gives our words credibility. Credibility. If we can't get along here, why should people listen to us about Jesus? Why should people listen to you about mercy? Or take the influence that you carry? Number three, your unity will be a factor in people believing in Jesus Christ. And I think we probably discount it. Your unity in this congregation will be a reason that people in this community are going to obey the gospel. Finally, 
the world will believe that God sent his son Jesus and that Jesus is here in you in the church through unity. And if we don't have unity, that right there will disappear. And there will be no reason for the world to believe that. James 3 verse 18 says, The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Things have to be kind of right to sow and for plants to grow. Things have to be peaceful for things to grow. And if if this congregation is going to grow, there's going to have to be peace. Here, people are come to that. If there's division, people are not going to want to be a part of that. Dewey and Melba got this big old beautiful garden. Now they got a big fence around it because the deer and the hogs will eat it. But it's this long beautiful garden and it's easy to grow things. And when he come and looked at, at me and Alexis, this little old garden, he said, man. Because <laughs> we've put up a fence and put up some tin to try to keep the wind. And we've stacked a bunch of hay bales because the wind just beats our little garden to death. It, it needs peace. You see, it needs things to be calm and still to grow. And if the wind didn't blow, we could grow a whale of a garden, I think. We've got a pretty decent little garden, but if, it, if there weren't no wind, it would grow. If it would rain a little bit, it would grow. And that's the nature of it. If, if we're going to tell people about the Lord and we're going to bring people to Christ, there's going to have to be peace because those things happen when there's a, a time of peace and a place of peace. The seeds of unity will produce the seeds of righteousness. The apostle said, I have planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. What if Paul and Apollos fight? There's no increase. God will not command the blessing. He just, he's not going to do it. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9, a great door and effectual is open unto me and there are many adversaries. There's, there's doors that are open to us because of the situation that we're in. There are opportunities that are ours. You see, opportunities to help people. I don't know if you realize or not, we've been as five people since this pandemic started. I haven't talked to another church that's done it. I've not talked to one, brethren. And we have an opportunity to help people and be a help to one another. And other people are going to see that and they're going to want to be a part of this. The book of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering. Now I want you to notice in particular this word, forbear one another in love. And if you're not familiar with what, the, what it means, forbear means to put up with. You're going to have to put up with some things. If we're going to have a body and we're going to have unity, then you have to put up with me. Okay, you're going to put up with Josh. Just going to have to. We're going to have to put up with each other. We're just going to have to deal with some things. We're going to have to put up with the little quirkiness that we have. We're going to have to give a little latitude and a little grace. If we're going to have this, 
And we're what the Lord has called us to be. We're going to have to be humble and meek. And we're going to have to be long-suffering. And we're going to have to put up with one another. And notice what he goes on to say. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And then he goes on to talk about a list of things that are unified. And I won't bore you with all that. But he said there is one body and one Spirit. Even as you are called and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You remember. If we're going to say unified. And we're going to make a difference in people's lives. We're going to have to put up with some stuff. And so I'm going to ask you today. Your brother may not want to wear a mask. Put up with that. Your brother may want to wear a mask. Put up with that. There may be a time we all got to do no. Your brother may not want to hug you. Put up with it. It's no big deal. Your brother may tackle you and hug you. <laughs> you may not like it. Put up with it. Okay? These, this, this deal, nobody likes it. I, I'd rather have answers that are solid and easy and things that we can do to help with this, but those answers just aren't there. Ephesians 4, verse 16. When we're unified, you see we're better together. From whom the whole body fitly joined and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the, the effectual working and the measure of every part, make the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I... It's kind of a wordy verse, but basically it says when, when we're unified, then we really work well together. The church functions really well when we're unified. And it just don't work so well when we're not. There's no limit to what we can accomplish together. That's how I want to close. There's no limit. The, the sky's the limit. But I'll tell you, if we can't get along through the good times and through the bad times, that we won't accomplish a thing. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.